0: All right, I've got a couple more minutes with Henry Gee. This is going to be very exciting because I first heard about you by reading um, an article that you had in Scientific American called uh, "Doom: Are Humans Doomed to Go Extinct? Uh, I thought this was this was a, a great article and you really lay out a whole without going into climate change and one of the major extinction events uh, that you talk about in your book "A uh, Very Short History of Earth Life uh, 4.6 billion years in 12 pithy chapters available where all good books are sold yep, uh, they are, they, they 3 are.
1: billion years I've got a 3 billion years in <laughs> the end so it's actually more like 5.6 billion years it's, it's and I'm wonderful. not charging any extra for that billion years
0: I love that that's, that's an exclusive for for. Uh, right. for fascinating nouns listeners yeah, okay. um but you know so before we get into discussing this article which i loved uh, as i was researching you i don't know if you know this but there uh there's a there was a, a whole video dedicated to debunking uh your this article and it's by um oh god i'm gonna put a link on the website i'll put a video up because i think it's really funny um there's a guy who's a doomsday prepper down in texas
1: no i saw that did you? <laughs> did you respond? Did you? You got to do a react no. video.
0: You can't. You know. You got to have a. I don't.
1: I, I don't. I, I don't react to anything anymore. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I don't go down that rabbit hole anymore. No, I mean, no. if people are entitled to their views as far as.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. You are more mature. You are more mature. I'm getting that. well. Well, he,
1: he did make a very good point, actually. I have to say, which we can oh. come
0: to. Well, let's get okay. If when we get to that point, uh, I want you to put it in there Um, because it was just great. Because I love how every interview starts with he. He basically he says, uh, you know, I'm just a turnip seed in a rural part of Texas who doesn't know anything about science, but I'm going to debate uh, a doctor (laughs) of evolutionary biology. (laughs) Well,
1: you know, that's hubris. The hubris of America. I mean, I think anybody is anybody is entitled to have a point of view. I mean, you know, and that's absolutely fine with me. Well, so, and this is what, you know,
0: I've I've said this on on a million different episodes of this podcast, overpopulation, you know, basically humans are are what annoy me. And this, and it's, there's this weird cultural thing. It's not just in America, it's all over the world. But this idea that as soon as you get married, the first thing you need to do is have kids and lots of them. This is... uh, If we want to stop overpopulation, it's going to be very hard because that's so ingrained in human DNA in some weird way. Uh, But what, so that's where my mind was before I read this article. And what's so interesting is is in the article, you talk about how the end of the human race, you know, basically where there's extinction debt. So we're, we're, we're dead dead humans walking already, which I want you to mm-hmm. talk about, but also that it's underpopulation that's going to make us go extinct and not yeah. weird climate change directly. So talk about, you know, I'd like to get into this. So what, what do you mean by that? that? That was shocking to me. And how'd you come to that conclusion?
1: Well, I was... I felt the same as you until I came across this article in The Lancet, uh, which I reference in that article in Scientific American, uh, and uh, which talked about the impending crash in human population. And, you know, it used to be the case that when people would get married, they'd have lots of kids as quickly as possible. Now, that was true until quite recently in kind of historical terms because human beings always lived on the edge of extinction always lived on the breadline uh, always lived at subsistence level um uh, when uh, most kids or many kids would die before the age of one from various diseases and uh, you know humans always lived in very very small groups always just on the edge of dying out um, and uh, Human homo sapiens almost became extinct at least once and uh, so having lots of kids is a good thing to, to maintain the species however People in hundreds of countries did a survey of what's called the total replacement rate. So each woman has to have or each couple has to have at least two children to keep that to, to make the population increase. You know, two people have a baby. They have to have two babies to get two more people to you replace I mean? themselves. You, you're basically so, having yeah.
0: kids to replace yourself.
1: Yeah. Um, actually, the figure is. 2.1 for various you know arcane reasons um you know because of accidents and because uh, sure. male babies aren't as robust as female babies and <laughs> other and other little statistical finagles sure. but it's sure. about it's, it's just over two um, but it turns out that in in many countries the total of the tpr is less than two i mean considerably less than two so the populations are getting older demographically and the total population is dying out now we know this to be true famously in japan that's mm, kind right. of well known but also in countries where you think everyone loves children all the time you know you know it's kind of a stereotype like italy uh you know everyone loves bambinos they're celebrated and and so on
0: like uh, kids um, in mexico mexico has a, a lot of children it, a lot of birth, high it, birth it, rate.
1: It, it, um but in a lot of countries and more countries than you'd imagine, even places like Thailand, have falling birth rates, um, and that made me sit up and think, why? Now, the consequences of this is by the towards the end of the current century, uh, in the twenty-sixties, the population will reach will reach zero population growth, wherein the whole of the population. Will reach replacement rate. Now, of course,
0: at Earth? earth, You mean Earth? Earth's Um, population, uh, not individual. Okay.
1: As you say, there are a lot of countries where the birth rate is still increasing. I mean, in uh, in Africa is is particularly, but you know, and but in other places like China, there was the one child policy. Uh, And um, uh, but even without this, over the whole world, people are having fewer babies. And in twenty sixty something although the date may vary depending on which demographer, which model you look at, the population will reach zero population growth and then the rate will decline until by the end of this century or maybe slightly after, the population will be the same as it is today. So it will have gone up to over 10 billion and now back to 8, 7 billion. And after that, it will go down quite sharply. Hmm. And that made me think, why now? what is it about now uh, that is that has caused this well so i, I wrote this article which caused people the screaming heebie-jeebies in a number of different languages um but there are a number of reasons which and i'm looking into them now i mean it's just really a kind of cocktail party think piece this wasn't at all scientific but there are a number of things that seem to have happened yeah um which may or may not be related one is that we are already using more resources than we can possibly sustain. Uh, this is because of the model of economics based on the gross domestic product, which cannot is, is not sustainable. And there's a colleague of mine called Ehsan Marsoud, um, who's written this amazing book called GDP. Uh, GDP, the world's most powerful formula and why it must not now change, um, because it is not sustainable To have economic growth based on compound evolution in percent. You know, eventually you're gonna run out of things, you're gonna run out of widgets, you're gonna run out of air, water, minerals, you know, soil. And another thing hit me, and I'm trying to find this out. And if any of your listeners can find me resources on this, I'd be so grateful. I just heard an economist just say on the radio a few weeks ago, um, that the the world has been in economic stasis for twenty years since the year two thousand um it's underneath you know there have been the ups and downs of of growth and recession and the two thousand and eight market crash but for quite a long time the earth has been the the world's economic system has not been growing and I suddenly thought hmm, maybe it's because we've finally come up against the buffers maybe there is no there is no more that's it no more resources we've got all we're ever going to get out and that's the lot now there are various other things that seem to be happening that nobody talks about much and that is maybe because you know one doesn't bring it up at polite in polite soirées which is the quality of human sperm is declining worldwide nobody knows why in fact it's declining so fast that in fertility clinics, the norm of good quality human sperm has actually been set lower wow. than it used to be. We've
0: lowered the and, bar.
1: Yeah, <laughs> this has been happening since nineteen sixty oh, yeah. approximately. Now you know, oh, the introduction was, of plastic. I mean, I hate to say well, that's, th- that's. I mean, that's that's one thing. Who parallel. Nobody, I mean, okay, n- nobody nobody knows. It could be stress. It could be pollution. Um, Another thing to do with the GDP and the economics, it's getting harder and harder and harder to achieve the same standard of living. Now, I'm nearly 60. In my parents' generation, they could expect, and and before, uh, until recently, every generation could expect a better standard of living than their parents. And that's been true since the Industrial Revolution. It is now no longer true. So we find it's very, very hard to get a job, to find a place to live, to be settled enough to have children. So people are putting off reproductive decisions. And it's not just in, in, in the developed world. It's the same in what we patronisingly call the developing world. It's the same thing, and perhaps even more so. Uh, as people move to cities, people aspire to a higher quality of life. Um, and quite right, too. But the thing is, it gets harder and harder uh, to actually um, be in a settled enough space to raise a family. And of course, people are putting it off till they're older. Now, of course, in the great uh, in the past, for the whole of human history, people started reproducing in their teens or early twenties, and that was quite true until quite recently. I mean, now it's quite common for uh, people to put off reproduction in their thirties. But my mother tells me, when she was twenty-six and having me, she was called an older mother. Wow! And, and that was yeah, and that was That's crazy. That was what. 60 years ago so and of course another thing is the human population has increased you know has increased markedly only since the industrial revolution and in fact even more recently than that um so it's kind of a it's 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 led to a whole peck of problems and i think what's going to happen is after after the population crests Mm -hmm. Uh, and starts to fall it will fall very fast and and uh, possibly irrecoverably so it's something that and it's partly because we have used all the resources that's it all the land that can be farmed has been farmed. Now, there, are various, there have been various technological fixes, you know, the Green Revolution. I mean, in the 60s, Paul Ehrlich wrote the Population Bomb, and he wrote it in 1968, which quite coincidentally was the year in which the world population was increasing at its fastest rate. Wow! And um, he said, well, there's going to be all these people. We're going to run out of everything. Well, it turns out that there are at least twice as many people on earth now as there were then and nobody and we don't have this population catastrophe and it's partly because of agriculture and technology and people have managed to squeeze more rice and wheat out of the same patch of ground and one might say there might be another fix around the corner and i'm hoped to be proved as wrong as a prophet of doom as paul ehrlich was but this chap in texas he said what he said that i um I said that nuclear Armageddon is no longer an imminent threat. So oh, yeah, let's yeah, not worry yeah. about that. I saw that part. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, as we are recording this, um, we have the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Sure. And uh, n- nuclear uh, weapons have actually been mentioned. Uh, so um, if I were writing that article now, I wouldn't have written that sentence. Um, so this chap who said he's uh, just a regular Joe in Texas, I have to say, I think uh, that was a good point he made. Um, <laughs> he, got so, you. he got you. He got you. The me. turnip seed got, got you. Yeah. He got me. So uh, so I bang to rights, Gov. Yeah. So, <laughs> but but um, uh, I think one of the problems with uh, human extinction is it's not any of these particular things on their own that will do for us. It's several of them together. Um, for example, we've just had the coronavirus pandemic, which we're all, you know, gasping it's made everyone fed up and depressed it's uh decreased the economy and made everyone kind of weaker and now we've got this war on the edges of europe which is um you know the economy of russia is tanked i mean the economy of russia wasn't very good to begin with but now because of the sanctions it's tanked and uh uh and, and then you know before that we had all migrations of people from you know africa uh uh, and afghanistan and other places basically for economic reasons because they can't afford to live and farm where they were because there are too many people so a lot of these people are uh, and that itself causes war and conflict um so uh the distinction between refugee and economic migrant i think is kind of a slender one
0: yeah um well, can so, I can I pop um, in here really quick? Anyways, that's that's it. Yeah. Well, because you you, go you, you mentioned you mentioned COVID, and w- there's a couple of a couple of points in, in the article that I really wanted to make sure that we hit. You know, you mentioned how Homo sapiens have come close to extinction on on many occasions, and because of that, our genetic variation is limited. Oh and, yes, that's true. And, and you know what, what's interesting about that is you know I've got conspiracy theories of my own. I don't like to put them out there because yeah, they're things I believe. I'm not saying they're true, but the things I believe. But with COVID, you, you
1: can tell you can tell me. I won't spread
0: it. All right, it's just our little secret. The two of
1: you and me and uh, five million listeners. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, it's just us.
0: So when you look at COVID, I I think in my uneducated, I'm the turnip seed in this particular particular situation. I think there's a genetic component to COVID. There's too many random elements where we see Uh, that it hits certain people harder than it hits other people. Some people on the verge of death, it's nothing to other people. I had a friend um, who talked about how he had some very specific symptom uh, with COVID and his brother had the same symptom. Uh, And it's something that is, I've never heard before, right? And there's 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 a connection. There's a genetic connection. Anyway, yeah. that's what I'm saying. So I don't know if it's true. That's my conspiracy theory. Uh, it goes deeper than that, but that's where that's where we'll keep mm-hmm. it. But the genetic variation is what I want to come back to, and I think it is these pandemics that are you know given the globalization, given the the what we do to our environment, what we're doing to animals, how we're mutating them, genetic engineering. It's gonna be the uh, when it, that's how. That's how, um, you know, that's how uh, forms of life get wiped out through mass extinction. Mm -hmm. Limited genetic variation, a pandemic hits and exploits that variation. And, you know, now you've got 99% of your population, like the stand, you know. Mm, Um, Yeah, yeah. And the other thing I want to mention is extinction debt, which I thought this was really interesting. Uh, this is an extinction, basically a delayed reaction to habitat loss. Uh, it's where um, you know uh, where you've done enough damage to kill off your species, but you're like a lame duck. You're you're hanging yeah, you out, just, yeah, <laughs> you yeah. right? You and know? then all of
1: a sudden, all of a sudden, you just go flop. Yeah. So no reason. You just you just for it's a delayed reaction. Now, um, I, I actually I discovered later that I didn't use the concept of extinction debt in the way it's meant to be used okay. but it is still true to say uh, that there is a delayed reaction to habitat loss for creatures that are dominant in their habitat um, uh, and it takes a while to take effect um, this has been found now in various systems like butterflies living in various flowers in Finland or wherever have been studied and then all of a sudden they die out and they don't seem to die out for any particular reason but when they look back in 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 the history of the the, the butterflies they found ah oh, when they cut down that particular flower that's when the rot set in that they they kept along for a bit and then suddenly walloped. Uh so i think that that could be true given that we now monopolize a single habitat patch in the whole earth. Now uh so that could be true and with all, all these things happening together now about disease and the genetic variation Who knows? COVID's a new disease. And me and my colleagues at Nature, we receive so many research papers about COVID. We are deluged with them. I I I don't look at very many because we have people who are virologists and immunologists. Um, uh, But uh, it could be that there was a genetic component. In fact, I would be very very surprised if there weren't now i'm going to plug another book that i read recently this is a man called <laughs> kyle harper You're getting kick on this yeah <laughs> no i don't i don't i just i, I learned about this and i read uh-huh. it. it's called plagues upon the earth okay and and it's a great big book but it's actually pretty racy it's pretty well well now uh, kyle harper is a historian and he is interested in the roman empire and the effects of Plagues in the Roman Empire. There are at least two uh, massive plagues in the Roman Empire. Uh, one in about the sixth century, called the Justinian plague, that was probably like the Black Death. Um, but then he, he he expanded that, and in this book, Plagues Upon the Earth, he he um he try, he writes the whole of human history. It, through the eyes of what well, th- from the point of view of disease and how various diseases have affected humans. Now I'm going to cut to the chase that it interests me Okay, is she says that, um, human beings as a species have an extraordinary number of diseases. Yeah, that's they say, true. Uh, chimpanzee, even when we were little bands of hunters and gatherers, we had extraordinary numbers of diseases. Chimpanzees, you know, our closest living relatives have diseases but most of the diseases they have have been caught from humans. And on their own, they don't have many diseases. And chimpanzees are not known for their bodily hygiene. They don't wash their hands. And they even like to eat their own poo and probably always sticking fingers in
0: their butts. Yeah. So so,
1: so, so, even though they, have, they are strangers to uh, hygiene, chimpanzees uh, and other primates, they have diseases, but they don't have as many as we do. Uh, Human beings, and this is even before we started living in our own filthy cities and having respiratory diseases because we all catch the train and everything. Um, And that, he doesn't say so, but I do wonder whether that's something to do with our limited genetic heritage. We're an extraordinarily lousy, infection-prone species. Uh, And uh, so, and that's just... I didn't put that in my Scientific American article because I hadn't learned about it then. I'm learning, that's the great thing. I'm learning all sorts of disgusting things all the time. Yeah. And I, you know, I'm I'm going to bed. My nightstand is a whole pile of books, which I call Fanderville, you know, it's uh, on this. And my wife looks at them and says, oh, Henry, your poor brain. (laughs) Uh, uh, That's true. Well, and I'm going to hit you with one other thing as
0: we close up here, because this this idea of extinction debt, you know, it's that drop-off, right? But you talked about you talked about uh, male fertility well if male fertility keeps going down and it hits close to zero right then you got what you got 80 years and then you're done right yeah, if you can't exactly. reproduce exactly. then you will literally collapse in 80 years or whenever the however yep. you know the
1: latest baby yep. if they get yep. you know whatever their their uh, life expectancy uh, is I, I, I mean i don't think the human species will last more than a thousand years a few hundred to a thousand years wow uh and then, and then we're toast now i'm actually trying to work it all out in a sort of mathematical way with a colleague of mine who uh, and, uh, but that's still in the, in the works. maybe we'll actually, in the works, maybe we'll do it before human beings become extinct, who knows. I,
0: I think I think so. Well, and the other thing is with climate change, you know,
1: there's, there's a lot of people who are saying
0: we got 10 years, 20 years to turn this thing around. And in some ways, I, I'm not sure. You can turn it around and you can change the temperature of the earth back to where it is. I think we've done irreparable damage. You know, you've got yeah, other, other turnip seeds who are like, oh, what's one degrees? Well, it's e- the earth is in equilibrium and, and one degrees is the difference between water and ice. And so- <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Uh, I mean,
1: I, even that article, I didn't even talk yeah. about climate no, change. No, at all, at no, all, I, at, I, at all. No, uh, I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's another uh, discussion. And I think you're absolutely right that um, uh, I think that we could turn it around Uh, Human beings will adapt to it, presumably. But, you know, most people live in coastal cities which are going to be submerged. And, um, you know, in the areas of Africa where people have been hanging on by subsistence for years, soon won't be able to live. And they'll be moving to other countries and uh, which already have their social problems. Um, So uh, climate change is affecting us now. I mean. There is a good reason why, for example, in the past year, there's been unseasonable snow in Texas and wildfires in Canada. And that's because of something called the jet stream. And that's a, a that's a stream of air that is high in the atmosphere. And it's westerly, which means that if you're flying from the States to Britain, it, it takes much quicker than flying the other way, because the other way you're going into the headwind. Um, and if you're flying Uh, you know east east you've got the west the winds behind you blowing you along well what's happened is the various temperature contrasts between the equator and the pole have got less because the arctic is warming faster than the pole so the temperature contrasts are less and that means the jet stream isn't confined to a region of temperature it waves around all over the place you know because it doesn't know where what it's supposed to be doing or where it's going and so it uh, so this is so so this is why you get suddenly polar air in texas and tropical air in canada because the jet stream separates one from the other and it's becoming less and less well defined and that is because the atmosphere is heating up and that's because of climate change which is caused by carbon dioxide in the atmosphere it's just it's just physics you really can't argue with physics
0: no no you're you're exactly right and and i just you know w- I'd, in closing, I want to say, I think the extinction debt that we have to pay back is climate, is, is how we've treated the climate. And again, we've spent most of our conversation talking about humans. I'm an animal lover. Uh, we, the, the, you know, you talked about the beauty of, of you know, the early earth and, and how it fits in. And you talk about a religious aspect. We are all connected and with every single species that goes extinct, that is one small little blink in our livelihood that is affected, whether we believe it or not. However, however, as you said, romantically small in one of your other interviews, however romantically small one species of insect that goes extinct in the rainforest is, that cumulative effect of so many species going out will ultimately have an effect on human beings so if we don't care about them and we only care about ourselves I think we that is the extinction debt that we, we have to pay back um, but I, oh yeah I, 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 I
1: completely I, agree completely agree
0: yeah I, and, and so anyway that, that's that's my soapbox uh, I don't want to be I don't like to be all doom and gloom on the show but unfortunately uh, I'm in doom and gloom in real life so sometimes it comes through on our show uh, but anyway uh, Henry I, honestly I want to thank you so much for taking so much time out talking to me about this and even responding to a critic in, in such a great way telling them that to write uh what you're a wonderful writer um, and an intellectual for the ages possibly moses 2.0 uh for your book uh it's, it's
1: the beard it's the beard, it's I've got a- the beard especially it, <laughs> it's not it's not a stick on beard it's real but, but really as the spring's coming yeah I don't, I don't <laughs> there you
0: yeah. go well thank you thank you again thank you so much for taking this extra time out well for
1: thank me. you very much i've really really enjoyed our chat it's so nice to shoot the breeze and talk about um all these fun exciting things together.